Hello and welcome to Battle City Broads, our Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of the original Yu-Gi-Oh! anime along with plenty of other related Yu-Gi-Oh! content along the way. Uh, I am Ellie. And I am Jenny. And I have, we have a fancy, I have a fancy new microphone, so the audio quality should be a little better this time. We're going to be real podcasters now. Putting that stimmy to good use. Good for yes, you. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I did also buy, um, <laughs> okay, I, now I have to confess this, <laughs> that among responsible things, I did also use the stimulus check to purchase um, this microphone for the podcast and a um, ninety piece of $90 Yu-Gi-Oh! merchandise. <laughs> I got, well... Go ahead. What, what were you going to say? I was saying um, part of my responsible stimulus is I put some into retirement, and then I also bought a recurve bow so yeah. that I can live out my D&D ranger fantasies. So, you know, everybody's got something, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have a bow with which you can shoot people, and I have um, a statue of uh, – <laughs> it's the pharaoh one from with his cape and everything. They're re-releasing the um, – the character statues and i'm like oh Ooh. i need this yeah yeah yeah, yeah i know because mm-hmm. i have the i have the kaiba one so then they will match and and look beautiful on my shelf and i was like screw it i'm just gonna get this oh i Honestly, also got worthwhile <laughs> oh i also got this isn't Yu-Gi-Oh related <laughs> but i was on this anime merchandise site and um i also got those little cat naruto figures <laughs> <laughs> naruto cats the ones that are 25 dollars a pop individually oh, yeah so i paid it they're was so small the whole too. set 50 oh my God. for the whole set but it's it's the set three and it's gara retrieval arc and they have gara and then like team seven and um sasori and data and i was like screw it i need this <laughs> I, can, I can make up some of the money if i maybe i can make up some of the money if i sell the kakashi one on ebay <laughs> afterwards sorry kakashi. street smarts <laughs> street smarts yeah okay <laughs> all right enough of <laughs> merchandise corner um we can i think we can just jump right into discussing the episode yeah unless, oh, sounds good course. Yeah, all right. So today we're talking about, we're going to start off with um, episode three of the anime. The title is Clash, the Strongest Monster. Uh, It aired on April 18th, 1998, and it was based on uh, chapters nine and ten of the original manga. So um, they had a little more room with a double, you know, chapter instead of having to stretch a one manga chapter into a whole episode. Mm-hmm. All right. So what happens? We open on uh, some generic nerd on the roof of a school being menaced by buff dudes in sunglasses <laughs> who are color coded. I think one of them has a green shirt and the other one has a pink shirt. Honestly, that's such an internal Yu-Gi-Oh thing. Like regardless of the series, there's always going to be buff men with sunglasses beating up on on nerds. Like that buff men so in sunglasses true. and suits and they will be beating up on some nerds usually for their cards. This is this is literally this episode is a, a fascinating glimpse into like a lot of little like small things that are going to reoccur in dual monsters and that's big guys in suits beating <laughs> beating children up for their cards and more as we continue the episode. <laughs> yeah, and more. 
Um, and he's like, please don't take my, my beloved trading card. It's a memento of my father, um, which is, I feel like a thing that happens in Yu-Gi-Oh! Also several like, times. There's lots yeah, like, of, my times. dad left me this trading card, so it's so valuable to me. And that's why I entered a card game tournament where I bet it. <laughs> I know. I feel like nobody in real life has ever had a trading card as a memento of like their parent or something but it seems to happen all the time in this series so anyways um there's an ominous shot of some some feet in white pants slowly approaching uh, what mysterious green-haired gremlin boy <laughs> obsessed with card games could this be <laughs> um this the thugs the or the bodyguard the sunglass men call him young master which i love this this <laughs> sent me they call him bochama which is like in japanese which is like young master and i was just like oh my god because um it was just very funny to me for reasons that i can't fully justify i don't know that's like but that's definitely like yeah young master of the household i think that's what we'll get into this a bit later but i i do find this version of of kaiba fascinating to contrast to the one that and that most people are familiar with like the the one from dual monsters and i think mm -hmm. that kind of encapsulates some of the personality and like type of rich boy difference um yeah. that kind of young master energy so i get yeah, what you mean kaiba's kaiba's bodyguards and dual monsters call him kaiba sama and in this mm -hmm. they call him bochama that's the difference <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so anyways, he they throw the card like elegantly through the air at him and he looks down at it satisfied. And he's like, we've taken all of the rare cards in the school. Maybe now we can move on to another school that also <laughs> has gamers in it. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this concept here that they've presented where he's like, transferring from high school to high school in the district <laughs> clearing out every nerd for their rare <laughs> cards and then transferring again yet again proving that gamers are the most oppressed minority like literally oh rich people just go after gamers i've fallen victim to it every gamer has fallen victim to it there's always just rich people on the hunt for gamers. When will we be allowed to rest? I can't believe you undercut me because I did specifically write a joke into these notes where I used the phrase gamers are the most oppressed minority. <laughs> uh, well, you can't make that joke because you're not a gamer, whereas I am. So that would be appropriating gamer culture. <laughs> it's true. It would be gamer phobic of me. <laughs> <laughs> Just gamer appropriation. I wouldn't go that far. Okay. Okay. All right. So <laughs> title card uh, is here. And then we see at school, Yugi is showing off a new game to his buds. Um, this is a collectible card game called Dual Monsters. Um, Yugi says that it first got popular when he was in third grade, but which is what I thought was very weirdly specific. Specific, yeah. Um, but it's really popping off now. There's thousands of monsters. Um, sometimes Americans fly all the way to Japan just to get the new fancy monster on release, which I guess implies that the game is like based in Japan. Um, which I noted because in the Dual Monsters anime it is specifically, we'll later find out that it is based in America. So there's a little retcon there. I just thought that was interesting. Although I guess it could be like um, the collectors are like, we want the Japanese edition of this card. Possible, possible. Jinochi's like, I don't like games that are this complicated. 
And then Honda says, oh, you mean games where you have to think and use your brain because you're a dumbass? <laughs> Which is a rare good Honda. Like, like uh, love it when Honda actually gets some quips in because it, it they can be good. Uh, I wanted to really quickly note that my notes, at least in my translation, when Yugi was describing the game, he's like talking about the way the cards work. And at least in my translation, it was, there are attack points on each card. There are attack points, defense points, and some other things. And I'm like, wow, yes, what a yes. great summary. What a great summary, like brushing over of those other things, which proved to be monsters. like, <laughs> yeah, that's dual monsters. Defense points. And other things. Yeah, and those other things are going to uh, come up. They were going to change rapidly, and they won't always reflect the card that you might be able to buy in the store. And we love that for them. We love that for yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say, honestly, I relate to Jinochi here, where he's like, I don't like games that are complicated. Like This is why I just can't fuck with a board game that takes too long for me to learn, which is mm -hmm. why I only know, like, four board games, because... Tragic. Whenever I go, well, inevitably, whenever I end up at like a, doing like a board game night with friends, they always pull out the new shit at like 11 p.m. when we're already drunk. And I'm like, I don't have enough brain to play this game that I've never played before that has like six pages of rules. I need to play like some extremely simple game again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So I just wanted to say, yeah, I'm I'm defending I'm defending um, Genochi for his dumbassery here, despite being accused of not wanting to think. I also don't want to think. I so. mean, especially when you're gaming, who wants to think all the time when you're gaming? I always balance exactly. out like when I'm especially playing video games. I balance out one thinking game with one just total smooth brain game, and that's mm -hmm. how I have the most fun. Is because like sometimes in the mood I'm in the mood to like challenge myself, but sometimes I just want like I don't know game but no brain game but no brain oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's 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 the dream that's definitely a pretty good description of a lot of characters in Yu-Gi-Oh! game but yeah no brain. <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly i would say that's like actually like 80 percent of duelists that we meet yeah, um, true yeah true. <laughs> honda is wearing a sash that says strong beautification week because he's had an epiphany that being a beautification club member means preventing all bad things that could possibly happen ever from happening or some shit like that. I did not follow this because it doesn't make any sense because Honda is an idiot. <laughs> In character. And I'm just like, okay, like it's episode three and you're already like taking this beautification club thing and coming up with a completely ridiculous way to like fit it into the plot of the episode because it has nothing. This is his one weird trait besides being a simp and it has nothing to do <laughs> I, I mean our next episode is going to be very simp heavy so you're going to miss the uh you're going to miss uh, like I much prefer his like weird hall monitor nerd shtick to just total simping though the simping at least can be really funny whereas mostly the hall monitor thing is the equivalent of like it comes up and it's the equivalent of like you know staring at the camera kind of like what the hell is going on here so I guess there's pros and cons yeah Honda just, he annoyed me in this, and I, I think, I don't think season zero Honda is ever going to not annoy me. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, when he gets dunked on, then it's funny, you know? I know. I am a Honda defender in general, 
because mm-hmm. I think dual monsters, you know, Honda, people are always like, you know, like Tristan is useless. And I'm always like, no, he's fine. Like, I don't mind him. But uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to be annoyed by season zero Honda. Like, can't he just be normal for Tristan? I mean, Tristan is too over the top. Uh, yeah, well, that's the advantage of Tristan and dual monsters is he gets to be he gets to be uh, the only one afflicted with just a guy syndrome. Like all of them are like either duelists or have like a backstory or like a lot of other like very specific points in the plot or like duties mm-hmm. in the plot and so he's the just a guy in the friend group which can be kind of nice sometimes you know yeah he's just a yeah exactly they all have a personality and then Anzu is the girl so she gets to have that <laughs> girl slash girl pseudo one. love interest um yeah sort of. and Tristan's just a guy <laughs> exactly most men are just some guy <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, so the teacher tells Honda to sit down because he's screaming in the middle of class. Um, and then it's like, we, this, this scene killed me. I could not stop laughing. The comedic timing of this is impeccable, but like only if you are already familiar with these characters in the series, otherwise it's just a normal scene, but it killed me. Because he goes, the teacher goes, we have a new transfer student. And then we see Yugi. He's like, I wonder what they're like. I hope they like games. And the teacher goes, it's Seto Kaiba. And then just stands, stands up. Literally, no, literally perfect. No, I also I also hollered. Yeah. So, um, uh, if you if you have seen Dual Monsters, you're very familiar with Seto Kaiba. If you haven't, then you might be thinking, oh, this is just some like one episode bad boy, like bad guy who's like pro- might come back, might not, not that big, but he's he's well, a pretty. He's in the, he's- pretty prominently in the opening so i yeah. think you're watching this i think if you were reading the manga you probably would have been like yeah just but so i would say for this episode like if you didn't see the opening you might be like oh he was like a one-off villain but like he so he's not only is he a, he's a relatively large part of this series relatively large antagonist and he is a main character in dual monsters note that i didn't say antagonist but i didn't quite say protagonist we'll we'll be talking about him a lot because i know ellie especially loves loves him as a character I really like him too, but um, yeah. uh, Ellie in particular knows a lot about him and all that kind of stuff. So okay, all right, all right, <laughs> calling you out immediately. <laughs> I mean, I already said I had a hundred dollar statue of him earlier, but True. like still calling me out. <laughs> okay, so my my one note about this. Oh, actually, I guess okay. My my two notes about Kaiba and in these intro scenes. First, I love the fact that he's transferring here. As you know, he is going gamer hunting, so dangerous. Mm-hmm. But he gets to keep his all white fit, which I think is very funny. Like they all have yeah. like very standard black uniforms. I didn't even and he think just gets about that. All white uniform. Yeah, he just gets to keep uniform. it. He's just so rich. Hat. He doesn't even have to abide by the uniform. Mm-hmm. Also. One thing, and I think the he's getting referred to as young master rather than like Kaiba-sama thing is mm-hmm. so his theme in this is like vaguely operatic or like you know it's got like a lot of strings in it. So his music? It, and you'll see sort of his house. It's very like um, I didn't I notice his music actually. Like I was yeah, I mean it's not very noticeable, really notice but it. it's because his theme in Dual Monsters is we actually use it as part of our opening theme. It's very like techno, like hot, like. Um, like techno, high energy, all this kind of stuff. Whereas he is more of like a just like a young rich man vibe in this. So in mm-hmm. and I know you're gonna hate me for saying this, but like it is the closest equivalent that most people will know. So I think like they're going for like a very like traditional young rich man vibe here. Whereas I think they go for like a kind of like 
Elon Muskish, like more. <laughs> I know you hate me saying that. No, and, I don't. I don't. And that's honestly valid. I would never no. call Seto Kaiba Elon Musk because unlike Elon Musk, Seto Kaiba is actually smart. Um, but, but, but like, I think that, um, I mean, even the Duel Monsters also came out pretty early in the 2000s, I believe. Um, they were just, it, it's like totally different rich guy energies, you know, mm-hmm. like Seto Kaiba, Duel Monsters Seto Kaiba is like the like cool tech billionaire elon musk kind of like iron man for another i mean very different in terms terms of personality but in terms of like style and like music um Mm -hmm. those kind of vibes whereas this one like you know he's very like orderly he speaks very politely at least at first like like yeah at first he speaks politely yeah Mm -hmm. i noticed that he switches um japanese pronouns shit i noticed that he uses boku uh in the beginning when he's pretending to be polite and then he Mm -hmm. switches to ore later on which i thought was interesting but yeah, those are just my my initial Kaiba um, vibes. Like, yeah, initial Kaiba <laughs> yeah. vibes. That was the vibe yeah. check for him. And speaking of initial Kaiba vibes, uh, Anzu's initial vibe is that she thinks Kaiba seems cool. Uh, or it actually, I think she says he's dreamy or something. So like she thinks he's hot. Um, and Miho is like... She does have taste. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Isn't he the heir to that um, famous game company? And um, Genochi um, hates him on site because he's like, I hate rich people. <laughs> also relatable. <laughs> Extremely valid. Genochi is literally eat the rich. <laughs> exactly. And he should be allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So anyways, so Kaiba sees the Duel Monsters card on the floor and his gamer dar has been triggered to recognize a fellow gamer. Time to oppress some gamers. <laughs> he loves card games. It's, um, uh, oh, it's like, what is it called? Um, like, you know, like homophobia or internalized gamer, <laughs> gamer aggression. <laughs> internalized gamer phobia. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. Yugi's like, yo, you play Duel Monsters too. And he says, yeah, I love card games. I love them. And then later that day, uh, after they were leaving school, um, Kaiba gets picked up by a chauffeur. He has a driver to take him home. Of course. And then Yugi's like, oh, he invited me to come to his house so you could show off his, show me his card collection. And then they show, they, they go to Kaiba's beautiful mansion house and he brings mm-hmm. them in to show his insanely large card collection, which are, like, in cabinets. And then he also has a giant trophy collection showing off that he is the he has won a shit ton of trophies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miho, um, because she's just angling for that, is like, so don't you also run all those amusement parks? Like, forget about the card games. I want to go to your amusement park. And Honda's like, I have tickets to the amusement park. And then Guy was like, well, I can just let you in for free because I own them. <laughs> and this triggers Honda's incredible jealousy instincts. And he now officially hates Kaiba, even though I forgot to say this, but like a minute earlier in the episode, he was defending him to Jinochi when Jinochi was like, this guy sucks. So... <laughs> terrible terrible i wrote down my notes that it's obviously that joey is like angry because he you know hates the rich which valid but also he i like the comparison of like honda being jealous because miho likes kaiba so much and joey kind of being upset that yugi seems to be clicking with with kaiba so much Mm, mm. i'm just saying i'm just throwing that out there like it doesn't have to mean anything but i'm just saying it i'm just pointing out parallels you know Nice, I'm just, nice. I'm just nice. saying things. <laughs> nice, yeah. Uh-huh. 
Um, yeah, we're setting up. That's you're right. We're setting up the love triangle. It's very important. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very complicated love square that's going on here. Exactly. Um, so when Yugi mentions that his grandpa owns a rare card, Kaiba gets excited and his eye literally sparkles like they put in a gleam, like a ch- sound effect. Shoujo style. Pray. <laughs> oh. Oh, Kaiba. Uh, uh, Grandpa's treasured card um, is uh, that they go, I forgot to say, they go to the game store. Kaiba shows up at the game store because he wants to look at the card. Um, and Grandpa gets a, his treasure card. It's Blue Eyes White Dragon. My girlfriend. Yes. Uh-huh. Your <laughs> girlfriend and mine and Kaiba's. <laughs> Another complicated love square. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's three of them. So there's one for each of us. <laughs> yeah, there's one for each of us. We each get to date one Blue Eyes White Dragon. I don't know. Unfortunately, I think Kaiba is a bit of a hoarder. So we'll have to fight him for that. That's but, true. You know. Yeah. He won't give them up. Uh, although they do, they also, they call it Blue Eyes Dragon in this. They leave out the white. I noticed that. They're not racist. I respect that. <laughs> they don't see uh, scale color. They don't see scale color. They're <laughs> yeah. colorblind. Although it is actually white in this, unlike Dual Monsters, where that where it's thing like is- it's like gray-blue. Yeah, it's like grayish-blue, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Miho says that she thought a rare card would have diamonds and jewels attached to it, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but- they, uh, Grandpa clarifies that um, Blue Eyes is way too overpowered, so they stopped production. And Honda's like, this card is too dangerous to leave alive. <laughs> like, he <laughs> freaks out. He's like, I need to guard it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand. Like, what does he think he's going to do? Um, Kaiba is so overwhelmed. He's stuttering. He's He pulls a briefcase full of... He unveils a whole briefcase full of cards that he brought with him. And is like, I'll give you all of these in exchange for the dragon card. But um, Kaiba's uh, dragon girlfriend desires um, do not supersede Grandpa's love for this card. He's like, oh yeah, I got this from my boyfriend who lives in America. <laughs> Look at this picture of these old men hugging each other. (laughs) Grandpa's literally like, Kaiba, you haven't realized yet that the most important thing about card games is the gay memories attached, not the cards themselves. A valuable lesson that Mm -hmm. we will all learn throughout this series. Absolutely. So then Kaiba is like, oh, you're right. I've learned my lesson. But um, he kind of broods about the blue eyes as his driver carries him home. You ever stare out the window of your chauffeur's car and pine over a training car that you can't have? Every day of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really quick. I I wrote down a... There's a very cute note where, like... um, So, obviously, like, when grandpa turned down the offer like the insane offer like everybody was pretty shocked but after kaiba leaves it's there's like a really cute scene where all of them were like you made the right choice grandpa and like joey and honda are like good job man and miho's like even miho who was you know she's kind of established to be like a little um you know she thinks about material materialistic and all that kind of stuff even she gives grandpa a hug and is like good choice and all that kind of stuff just like a very wholesome scene yeah it was cute yeah she yeah she she like goes over the store counter to hug grandpa it's cute mm-hmm. so the next day uh the the squad are playing dual monsters during lunch break or whatever i don't know when they do all of these you know 
moments where they're doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Honda versus Jinochi, and Yugi's basically like overseeing their duel and kind of correcting them on the rules and stuff. Um, also, in this shot, I don't know why they made this choice, but there's like a random <laughs> background extra student who is sitting one desk over and is staring at them the entire time. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, she wants to play. <laughs> Mind your own business, bro. No. <laughs> Kids. There's so I didn't notice that at all. Now I want to look that up. No, really I noticed it because it's like all the, I think all, I think either it's the only desk in the shot or like the other desks are empty. And I was like, what a weirdly specific choice to draw like one other background student just staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, in their Duel Monsters game, Jinochi's or Honda's zombie beats Jinochi's Blackland Fire Dragon because they play them in the graveyard field, which powers up the zombie. And then Honda, um, because he just heard the whole, you know, this card is my soul thing from Grandpa earlier. He's like, yeah, my card has the soul of a real member of the Beautification Club. And then Joe is like, yeah, but it's a really gross, nasty zombie, so it doesn't work. <laughs> and then they. <laughs> And they start bickering with each other. All right, so then this is um Kaiba's master plan that completely fails that he that he's concocted to get the card. <laughs> Remember, I said Kaiba was smart. Maybe we should walk that back a bit. I think it's going to take him some true. time. <laughs> I think he's unfortunately this Kaiba's very used to just like money and his buff sunglass men handling everything. He does he does really stumble when he has to deal with stuff solo. Yeah, so he apparently he called Yugi up and asked him to bring the card to school because he was like, I just want to look at it one more time. And he tries to like secretly switch the card with a counterfeit version of it that he had made, but he fumbles this badly enough that like literally every other character notices what he did. <laughs> when you have Honda and Joey both noticing know, your fumble, oof, oof. <laughs> yeah, so then... um. After school, there, uh, Anzu and Yugi are walking home, and Yugi is like, "Oh, um, Honda and Jinochi stayed back because they want to like try and play dual monsters against Kaiba." But then it turns out that actually they have called him out to the roof of the school, perhaps the very same roof that we saw in the opening scene, to tell him that they saw what that shit he did, and they that it's not going to fly. They want Yugi's card back. And just as Jinochi is right about to punch out this dweeb boy whom he could definitely take in a fight. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. He's stopped by the same bodyguards who I guess teleported up there because like, why are they there? <laughs> Wait, actually, we underestimated Kaiba the whole time. He was playing 5D chess. He knew he was going to get caught. He knew that for some reason, Joey and Honda weren't going to call him out there. They were going to wait until later to call him out and take him to the roof. So he was like, bodyguards, wait for me on the roof and I'll lure them out there. Sure. All part of the plan. Um, so that's, and that is halfway through the episode, so that's where we get the act break. Um, I just wanted to shout out to the art, by the way, in this. I really like how they paint, like, a sunset background in this scene. I thought it was really pretty. Um, yeah, this, there's some really cool art in this series, and I think the backgrounds and the colors are, like, a strength. Yeah, we talked earlier about how, like, the colors are just, like, a huge plus. Just very, like, just very vibrant. 90s neon, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We gotta bring that back. We really gotta bring that back. So true, yeah. So anyways, so then Yugi sees Hana and Jinochi like beat up on the ground 
And um, Again. Kaiba attempts to justify this with, I just thought this line was so funny. He says, they accuse me of something most outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> most outrageous. They've accused me of something terrible. Like, oh, it's okay. Such okay, a prick sir, line. Okay, young master. <laughs> so then Yugi admits that he also noticed that Kaiba switched the cards, but he decided to give Kaiba a chance to see the error of his ways um, out of gamer solidarity. <laughs> he says, gamer solidarity, yeah. He, does, he literally says, he says, like, I thought that since you also love games, I'll give you a chance or something like that. Um, unfortunately uh. for him, Kaiba does not understand how to experience guilt or empathy. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate but true. Yugi's got to learn this sometime. You know, you'd think Yugi would learn, but honestly, he never does with Kaiba. He's always mm-hmm. like, you have a good heart in there somewhere. And Kaiba's like, fuck you. No, I don't. <laughs> I mean, it, it, he does, but it is buried so deep that it took literal spoilers. It took literal shadow magic to bust it out of there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's what abuse gets you, baby. Uh, yeah so when yugi grabs onto his arms and pleads with him kaiba flips the fuck out and is like how dare you touch me with your little peasant hands (laughs) another great rich boy moment another like absolutely flawless just like your grubby like poor hands And um, knocks him over with his briefcase. Oh, and Yugi was saying something about, like, his grandpa's heart being in the cards. And then Kaiba um, says, cards have a heart? How absurd. Thus setting up the entire premise of his character arc for the next five seasons of television. (laughs) (laughs) Like a fool. Unfortunate, but true. Yeah, although he does say that, um, I thought this was interesting, he does say that, like, cards don't have a heart, they want people to control them and use their power. So he's still sort of, like, ascribing a sort of anthropomorphism to the cards. Yeah, he's giving I mean, like, I know almost it's sentience. Yeah, yeah no, but, like, uh-huh. but, like, he is, like, treating them, because, like, there's definitely people that, like, later in the series when they get into like everybody's dueling all the time obviously um in dual monsters there does reach a point where there's lots of people who are like oh these are just totally tools these are just mm-hmm. totally holograms which is like objectively kind of true but the whole point of the series is that it's like no they have spirit and like even if you they they don't actually have souls you know you can like fight with which your they do feelings and all that like i mean they they objectively also kind of do they do also like, literally have magic souls <laughs> but like a normal person yeah. playing the game if you were like yeah, yeah. oh i'm gonna send this card to the graveyard like there's definitely like a, a kind of moral difference and all that kind of stuff like characters certain characters can be like you're treating your cards so harshly by like playing the exactly. game strategically um uh one yeah when kaiba the ga- doesn't treat his cards harshly he just only values like their the power, super powerful ones which is why he's yeah. so attached to the blue eyes well one of the reasons he's so attached to the blue eyes um but it's because it's the strongest and it's like he he so he has a lot of value and respect for it because it's the strongest so it's like he has a genuine i mean uh he has a genuine emotional attachment to like these cards he believes for their strength i would say primarily for their strength but there's some stuff hidden underneath there but um yeah but because they're really powerful but that is something that will come up as like it's it's sort of like an opening for yugi to wiggle on in there and be like okay so you like them so maybe they could also have a soul in there and that's sort of where the comeback yeah 
Um, so yeah, then this is the point where the Millennium Puzzle lights up. We get our transformation sequence into Yami Yugi. So obviously Yami challenges Kaiba to a oh, game. Wait, really, sorry, really quickly to interject again. This is probably one of my least favorite Yami transformations. My note for this was Yugi just goes into a T-pose and then Yami is there. <laughs> like there's <laughs> no fancy stuff. Literally Yugi just starts to T-pose and then like it cuts away, cuts back and it's Yami. I'm like, oh, that's a lame one. That's not a very good one. <laughs> Yeah, it's not quite as exciting. I do love, we haven't mentioned it before, I love that background music that they always put on his transformation. It's so Oh, yeah, the do, 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 do. I, I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I can't do it, but once, it's very but... distinctive, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he challenges Kaiba to a game of Duel Monsters. There will be 40 cards in their deck. They will each have 2,000 life points. And in this game, the cards are real. When Kaiba plays his... Yeah, Kaiba goes first, and when he plays his first card, which is uh, Ryukishin Gargoyle, it emerges as a sort of a mirage out of the cards um, in a haze of neon purple and green smoke. Very good aesthetic. Um, Yami summons Blackland Fire Dragon. I wrote down like all of the like exact card plays in this duel as I was taking notes, and so now I'm looking at it and I'm like, I probably didn't need to put like every piece of what happened, but whatever. Um, he destroys the gargoyle. Uh, Kaiba's life points drop. Um, cards that lose in battle are completely destroyed in this shadow game, which I thought was an, an interesting wrinkle because it's not super relevant. It just disappears, like. Like, the physical card is, disappears. Um, so Kaiba is surprisingly, like, you know, he seems to take surprisingly well to the fact that these cards have suddenly been manifested in real life before him. And he has a moment where he's That's like, how you know this... he's a freak. Like, he, he, yeah. he just, like, vibes with enemy. Like, almost everybody else, like, he's a little shocked at first, but, like, everybody else is usually so thrown off by, like, the Shadow Games. But he takes a minute, but then he's like, all right, I, I like this, actually. I like this quite a bit, which that's how you know yeah. he's a freak. <laughs> exactly. He says, this is the ultimate game that I've been searching for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, he summons Battle Ox. It defeats drag the dragon. Um, the dragon, like, falls. Oh, it, I don't know how to, else to describe this. They didn't actually animate it, like, dying. They just, it's like the image slowly falls over, like, a piece of paper, like, <laughs> I thought it was a very funny and weird imagery choice. <laughs> not very, like, um, scary, if you think about it. Not, not that terrifying. Yeah. Some of the, the, I thought the animation in this was, like, I understand that it's, like, I guess, kind of hard to make a super dynamic animation for this scenes of two people sitting at a table and playing mm-hmm. a card game but I thought the animation in this episode was like a little off at points there are some parts in this in during the duel where Yami is making some like wonky ass faces where like his eyes are a little crossed or like the face the expression that he's making like doesn't match what he's saying he's I don't flustered. know who knows why yeah maybe um yeah we also we get to see magical elf just shout out to magical elf because i think it's i, I love her design in zero like it's very it's very angelic like i mean i like her design in dual monsters too but um like it's i just love the i love her background like you like you're mentioning like a real strength of uh both this particular shadow game and season zero in general is the backgrounds. And so like, it's not just the monsters popping up. They almost like bring atmosphere with them. Like, yeah, they, they put, bring like, the background they put little in their card as well. around her. It was really yeah. cool. It was very, uh, yeah. very sweet. 
So shout out to our girl, yeah, Mystical Elf. Um, the queen of defense. Mm-hmm, the queen of defense. It's true. So Yugi plays his best card, Summon Skull. Uh, Kaiba says it's one of the best five, or the the five best rare cards in the game. Um, Kaiba mourns his cool ox raider as it is destroyed, although he does equip it with a magic card to improve its attack. So, and then Kaiba, he does, he does cheat. He slips the blue eyes, which he had in his pocket, into his deck and, like, onto the top of the deck mm-hmm. and summons it. Which I thought this was, it was interesting. It's like, hmm, he did cheat, he did cheat. Yep. Um, although, it's, I kind of, because I was kind of like, I mean, why didn't he just, like, put it in his deck in the first place once he well, got it? Well, it's because I feel like Yami would have counted that as cheating anyway, because, like, the whole point is he'd stolen that card. Yeah, exactly. Um, I but don't they just think had it... to make him extra dastardly. Um, True. Mm-hmm. Does he, I mean, we'll we'll talk about manga comparison at the end, but I don't remember if he well, does also, that he, he only just got it, so maybe yeah. he, he just hasn't had time to, like, go sorting through his deck, and he hasn't, like, you know. I don't know. I feel like it'd be pretty on brand for Kaiba to immediately get the blue eyes and then like lovingly place it within his deck like immediately. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, he summons it. Um, blue eyes emerges from the lake field on the board with an animation like a whale coming out of water and makes a very weird noise. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I miss her her trademark cry from Dual Monsters. Oh, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Um, the puzzle, Millennium Puzzle, is glowing ominously while Yami tells Kaiba that the blue eyes, oh, it's it's not attacking. He's like, why isn't it attacking? Um, and Yami says that it won't attack because Grandpa's soul is in the card. And then there's a bizarre moment where they show... <laughs> I loved this. I know exactly what you're talking about. I love this so much. They show I, I Grandpa, pause. like, hovering over the card. And... They put this voiceover in him laughing that I guess is supposed to be like a friendly, warm chuckle, but it's like, oh, ho, 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 ho. it's like it's an so, evil so laugh. legitimately probably the scariest part of the episode is him just going like, ho, 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 You're like, holy shit, grandpa. <laughs> yeah, it's the energy of this. It's like they were going for like, his soul is in the card, but the energy I got was like, grandpa has cursed blue eyes from beyond the grave. <laughs> such a weird choice (laughs) anyways so blue eyes um could not pick between um attacking you know it it needed to attack but it couldn't betray its master so it explodes and comes like no and then on its next turn yami draws monster reborn a magic card that lets you summon um any uh defeated monster from either player's graveyard so he uses it to summon back Blue Eyes White Dragon. Now it's on Yugi's side. Kaiba can't possibly win. And then this is the scene that just, like, took me out. Like, I was like, what is happening? (laughs) Because um, I was expecting... I mean, we'll do our manga comparison later, but I was like, okay, so now he loses. No, so he draws a card called Gremlin (laughs) and (laughs) is like, I can play this in such a way that it will become powerful enough to beat Blue Eyes, which, like, what? Like, even with the field advantage, does it make sense? Because I think it started with, like, 900 attack points. I mean, I know they have not nailed down the rules, but it was very unclear. And then he's like, he plays it, and he 
defeats the blue eyes with it. Somehow this means that the duel ends in a draw, even though there was like no show of like life points being lost on either side or anything. Like they already established incomprehensible. But that means the duel is a draw, and then Kaiba disappears in a cloud of smoke. Like he just fucking <laughs> teleported. And Yami goes, just as I would have expected from a duel monsters expert. What? <laughs> as a duel monsters expert, uh rather than accept loss, you have to learn to uh use ninja smoke escape techniques uh and also always have gremlins on hand yeah that was like incomprehensible to me like i was like i like i think what they're they're, they were trying to do this thing of like oh it'll set him up as a better antagonist if he doesn't actually lose but it's like no it would have been more effective if we see somebody after they like who wants revenge after an effective shadow game so honestly did not like that God, isn't isn't there a meme that's like, "Girl, I'm teleporting"? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think so, but I, I feel like we should make that. <laughs> All right, okay, I'm inventing it. <laughs> Do you even know how to teleport? I am not um, seeing any meme that's like, "Girl, I'm teleporting." <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm we're... gonna find this eventually, and it's gonna turn out to be like some Tumblr post that I saw in 2016 that only had like a thousand <laughs> notes. It is actually not a meme. <laughs> But it's stuck in my brain for no reason. (laughs) New meme just dropped. Girl, I'm teleporting. Girl, I'm teleporting. Kaiba's seeing himself about to tie. Not even lose, but tie. And he's like, girl, I'm teleporting out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Swerve me with that draw shit. (laughs) Oh my god. So yeah, so anyways. (laughs) Kaiba... He's um he's so mad that he drew in a game. He can't be possible. He's like busting up his trophy room like a brat. He's throwing a tantrum he's and he's like, tantrum. I'll be back for revenge. And he falls up his hands and he shouts at the sky, Yugi, I vow to make you kneel before me as a loser, which is only a little bit homoerotic because <laughs> shipping goggles on, but like, bro. It's a little. No, I, I also made a note. I also made a note that my translation also included the line, we'll meet again in the dead of night. Hmm. Which I have no idea, like, w- what when he means that? by that. At what point is that? It's it's, it's during this, like, oh, like damn you, Yugi, okay. like, rant. Hmm. He I says, think we'll meet again. Things, uh, did you use those downloads that I sent you? Oh, no, I used a different one because I thought it'd be funny. All right, fair enough. Um, oh, and then for some reason, the episode ends with a comedy bit where Honda is like wheeling Miho on a tandem bike, and then they smash into a telephone pole, and Honda like dies on the <laughs> ground, but is like revived by fondling Miho's back and making creepy noises. It was very strange. I this this was too much for me. I after after the teleportation, I couldn't handle this because I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's let's go to the manga comparison. Yeah, uh-huh, the manga. Well, actually before we hit the manga comparison, I want to real quick hit something that I I guess I'm going to call like, you know, behind the games corner or something like mm-hmm. that, which is so the Yu-Gi-Oh series in general, there has been at this point there's going to be quite a few games that are some of them are just like regular, you know, games. I mean, the past the games past two episodes knows, yeah. Yeah, it's it's sort of a card thing or just kind of an invented thing. Um, but there are going to be a couple of points where um, one of these little mini uh, shadow games comes up that is parodying like a specific sort of real world thing. And I thought we could talk about the history of that. So I wanted to do a little segment where I talk about like the history of um, collectible uh, trading card games. Interesting. 
because um, in this case with Yu-Gi-Oh, this, yeah, so it was based on, like I said, chapters 9 and 10 of the Yu-Gi-Oh manga, and it's pretty clear that it was, um, although this eventually became its own thing, and of course took over the series, because, mm-hmm. specifically because um, these chapters were so popular that, like, Shonen Jump was getting all these letters where people were like, this is so cool, like, I want to buy this game for myself, and stuff like that. It's pretty clearly, in the original one, it's pretty clearly a parody of Magic the Gathering. Interesting. I didn't know that Magic the Gathering um, preceded it. I know nothing about Magic the Gathering. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Well, I'm here to tell you, because I've done some research, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Magic the Gathering. Teach me. <laughs> Yeah, so um, it was invented by a game designer, American game designer named Richard Garfield in 1993. It was invented by Garfield. I'm I'm only going to be <laughs> to be uh um inundating incorrect facts. So Garfield invented Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Uh, yeah, and it was released by the company Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the theme of it is inspired by uh, Dungeons and Dragons and like similar fantasy concepts. So Magic was the first ever collectible card game. Like that was what made it a hit um, because it was the first game that had this idea that like each person gets to customize their deck to fit their play style. And also that like continually releasing new card sets means that the game is going to make bank over time because people have to keep buying new cards and like booster packs to keep up so it was the first game that ever had that concept which i thought was so that that was interesting to me because i was just like oh like i had no idea it never really occurred to me to consider like what was the first trading card game so yeah yeah. i didn't either but that, that is really cool i had no idea it was that that's a pretty good first example yeah it's one of those things that it feels like it was invented like later than you would expect. You know yeah. what I mean? Because no, for me, yeah, exactly. Like 1993, like that's wow. when they invented that concept. But yeah. So um, the idea behind the gameplay in magic is that the, each player is um, the players are wizards who are called planeswalkers in the game lore um, who use magical spells to do battle with each other. So there's two types of two main types of cards are divided into lands and spells where, Uh, lands provide uh, mana which you can use to fuel spell cards and then in the spell cards some spells have like instantaneous or permanent effects um kind of like a typical spell card in Yu-Gi-Oh or and then some have you know permanent effects and then there are some spell cards that are in the category of creature spells which summon creatures that can attack your opponent and each player starts with 20 life and the goal is to win by reducing your opponent's life to zero and your deck has 60 cards in it and discarded cards are sent to the discard pile being known as the graveyard. So it should be pretty obvious to anybody who's familiar with Yu-Gi-Oh how the game of Duel Monsters, how it's presented in this episode and in the manga chapter is like based on this concept especially with i didn't really mention this a whole lot in the recap but with how much they discuss um fields in these early episodes Mm -hmm. that does get somewhat dropped later on which i think is kind of calling back to the whole idea of the lands but also in original magazine serialization of the chapter like in shonen jump the game was called magic and wizards which is a pretty obvious shout out to magic the gathering published by wizards of the coast and then it was changed to dual monsters in the um like 
trade paperback with Tangoban release. Duel Monsters does make a mo- lot more sense in terms of the actual gameplay because there's mm-hmm. not really, I mean, I guess there's technically magic, but like very few of the characters are wizards. But um, the the card backs in Season 0 still say MW on them. That's why it says that. Okay, I assumed it was like a mistranslation. I honestly always assumed it was like Monster World or something. I don't know. Oh, I thought that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Like, and I was like, I don't really like, I mean, obviously that didn't match it, but I was like, oh, like the Japanese translation might be like directly matching Monster World or something. Um, so in, that's really interesting. I, I didn't know that at all. It's it's also really interesting because um, so Hearthstone, which is a pretty famous, I think it's just digital game, um, is like is also very closely based off Magic the Gathering. But it seems like it took everything that Yu-Gi-Oh didn't, like Duel, Duel mm-hmm. Monsters didn't. So basically, like if you split Magic the Gathering into two, you'd get like Hearthstone and Yu-Gi-Oh, which is kind <laughs> of fascinating. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The other thing that one of the other sort of key concepts of magic, and this is not something that's reflected in Yu-Gi-Oh! is mm-hmm. called the color pie, in which um, all of the cards fall into these co- five color categories, which represent um, the in-lore five schools of magic, white, blue, black, red, and green. And each color is associated with like a certain theme and play style. Um, for example, black magic is represents in universe like death and sacrifice and necromancy and many black uh, monster cards have like an undead or spooky theme and black spells often involve things like sacrificing your life or like sacrificing your cards to fuel an attack Um, and then like red magic represents chaos and fire and destruction so a red deck would be mostly offensive oriented and play like a sort of classic like beat down toughest monsters toughest spells type deck and then like blue magic represents control and there are a lot of cards that are about taking control of your opponents and stuff like that so i think it's pretty cool you can mix whatever uh colors you want into your deck but like your deck is usually always in order to make an effective deck it's usually going to be like mostly focused on one color because it supports a certain play style. So yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I never played Magic, but it's pretty cool because it's kind of like these broad categories where it's like you are able to see like this is the sort of play style that I want and that kind of, I guess, helps you narrow down like what sort of deck you want to play. So yeah, it sounds kind of cool. Kind of similar to what Yu-Gi-Oh! ends up being, though Yu-Gi-Oh! ends up having like a ton more different categories. And I would yeah. argue that like the types don't necessarily affect your play style so much as your general like aesthetic and oh sorry i yeah, keep exactly. on calling dual monsters Yu-Gi-Oh, even though i guess technically the game is i mean Yu-Gi-Oh. the thing is we i mean maybe we should mention this is the game is Yu-Gi-Oh in real life and mm-hmm. dual monsters within the world of the series so yeah. i think either way they'll know what we're talking about True. i mean i'm super used to the um i'm super used to the series like watching the anime and stuff so i often will say like Oh, to play dual monsters, referring to the game in real life, <laughs> which is not really correct. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so magic. Um, and then this is my kind of my last bullet point in my little history of Magic the Gathering is that when it was released in 1993, it instantly became a massive hit. And uh, it was what put Wizards of the Coast on the map as a company, like they got really famous. And then um, 
I tried to look up like the history of magic in Japan to sort of figure out what the timeline was on like when this came out. And it seems like it went international pretty quickly. Um, I couldn't find anything online. I couldn't find anything. I even checked like Japanese Wikipedia, run through Google Translate, couldn't quite figure out when like it first made it to Japan officially. But it seems like it was pretty soon afterwards. And I'm, I did find that magic was, um, it is really big in Japan. Um, so I found an... Not surprising. Yeah, uh-huh, really big in Japan. I found an article about how, um, from an English-speaking player called What It's Like to Play Magic the Gathering in Japan. And it was him writing as, like, an expat who moved to Tokyo. And um, he said that it was a really fun way of getting to know people and, like, getting past the language barrier because... Um, the rules of competitive magic are like you can mix any language of card into your deck like as long it's still a valid magic card and so he found that he said that like a lot of Japanese magic players they like they have the English cards and they so a lot of them have like a mix of both and he was like I know how to play magic they know how to play magic a lot of the cards they're using are ones that I would recognize and like even when they didn't they didn't know it was pretty easy for me to figure out and they were like pretty patient they'd be pretty patient that's so cute me trying to like google what the card was in English and yeah and he said <laughs> that it was really fun uh-huh I was like, oh, that's that's sweet. And I know that there are, um, uh, it's very big in Japan and that um, there are lots of other games that became, you know, <laughs> like a hit. So I think that um, probably when the manga, this manga chapter was written, it was tapping into something that was like really big in the moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And unexpectedly created something new, big for the moment. Yeah, exactly. Which then would go on to um, outsell because um, I believe the Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG is like the best-selling like trading wow. card game. I guess that's not surprising. Like, I feel like Magic has endured in terms of more like a consistent culture, like consistency. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised because I mean, when Yu-Gi-Oh! was big, it was pretty big. <laughs> really freaking big, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it's still pretty big. Like people still play for sure. Oh, it is still big, but it, like it's mm-hmm. not. It, it doesn't. It's not quite as intense as it used to be. Yeah, I think there's more of a barrier to entry now Absolutely. because they don't. Um, this is getting like in the weeds of TCG stuff a bit, and I promise we're not going to talk about this on the podcast very much. <laughs> but they they don't like for. Um, I did find out that uh, magic. Um, they have a rule where basically like you're only allowed to use sets from within a certain time period, mm-hmm. like the most recent sets. So yeah. like they re-release, I think I get the impression that they regularly re-release like sort of this core cards, but they don't have to go in and specifically, they have to specifically like decide that this card is going to continue. Whereas with Yu-Gi-Oh, it's like everything is still in play unless it's specifically banned. So there's like a lot of stuff that will just come out and be a big hit right away because it's so OP and then immediately get banned in competitive play because yeah. Konami are like, shoot, we accidentally made it too OP. Yeah. And they've yeah. added so many different like types of play and different types yeah, of summoning. Like they've yeah. changed the mechanics so much that it's just like unrecognizable. Yeah. But yeah, it's a little overwhelming. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, um, also, um, by the way, um, I've got most of this information um, 
about magic. Like, like I said, I've never played it. So I got most of this information on um, Wikipedia and that article that I mentioned called what, what it's like playing magic, the gathering in Japan. And um, also a shout out to my friend Petunio, who is a magic player because um, I asked them like, can you just read over this to make sure it makes sense? And he was like, thank yeah, you. Yeah, Petunio. Yeah. <laughs> so I sounded like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> Another gamer that deserves to be oppressed. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, so manga, manga corner, let's wrap mm-hmm. this up pretty quickly because there's not a whole lot of differences between the um, anime and manga version of this. Uh, the biggest one is kind of the introduction stuff where Kaiba is introduced to them at school as a transfer student. Um, none of that is there. It just starts right off with them hanging around in the game shop and grandpa's explaining the game of dual monsters to them and then kaiba comes in and they're like oh it's kaiba from class and then he says um you know you could never beat me and shit like that (laughs) and all of that and then of course the main difference being the ending which we have already extensively talked about because instead of (laughs) teleporting away (laughs) um kaiba is defeated and yami yugi puts him into a penalty game um, the experience of death where his soul is briefly trapped inside of a card. We see him like shouting with his hands up from out of a mm-hmm. card. A motif that will return. Oh my gosh, yes. The first time someone gets trapped in a card in Yu-Gi-Oh, but far from the last. <laughs> <laughs> and Yami was the first one to do it. Yeah, Yami was the first one to do it. And uh, yeah, he says that uh, it's only a nightmare. It's an illusion. Mm-hmm. And he'll, you'll experience death. Basically, he's sent to the card graveyard and like all of the, he sees all of the cards like attacking him. And yeah. yeah. And he says, by becoming a card, you'll come to understand the heart of the cards. And then you can be a true, true uh, master of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, so Ellie, I wanted to ask, what did you think about this episode? Like, what did you feel about it? So, um, I was a little bit disappointed, but I rec- by, by it, that's my hot take, but I do recognize that that's kind of me. I don't, I want to, I don't want to, I want to give it credit for what it does. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to always be that person who's like, but it was better in the manga. <laughs> because <laughs> I do, I recognize that I have this problem where like, especially for this early seasons, mm-hmm. I have read this manga, this manga is like very near and dear to me in a nostalgic way. Where And I've also read it, like, a ton of times. So every time there's, like, a small change, I notice it right away. And I find it hard to sort of assess objectively whether or not I think it's better. But in this case, I I do think that, like, not... I don't understand why they couldn't just have him lose the game. Absolutely. I totally agree. Actually, in my notes, I was like, eh, kind of a lame episode, honestly. Like, yeah. the game itself mm-hmm. is not as fun because, like, you don't get the actually fun mechanics of Dual Monsters yet. So it's like, it's literally like me, as I mentioned in earlier episodes, playing with my siblings where it's like, you just draw the stronger monster. Like, there's not mm-hmm. even really any strategy. It's just pure luck. Yeah, and I think that's fine for this early part because, you know, you can't hit them right away with a complete explanation. No, no of, of course, but I'm just saying compared to other, but compared to other games, but compared to other games that we're going to see like there's just mm-hmm. not really you don't feel a skill you don't feel immediate risk like a lot of the other games have like immediate risk of death or threats whereas mm-hmm. they're just like playing a card game and honestly too a lot of the later seto co- co- 
um, Lady Rossetto content, both in this series and then obviously in Duel Monsters, is just so much better. Um, but if you didn't know that, I like honestly, I was I was trying to like you know put myself out and be like, okay, what if I was watching this for the first time? And I genuinely don't think I would like be looking forward to seeing Seto again because he gives you very little to work with in the beginning. Yeah, like it's when you mm-hmm. start to get a sense of his backstory and when you meet Mokuba that like I feel like it's way easier to invest in him as a character. Mm-hmm. But like at first you're like, oh, he's just like a rich brat. Like honestly, with this version of Seto, they could like have had him just be like a one shot villain, and I probably wouldn't have cared. Honestly, I'd be like, oh yeah. That that was just like that mm-hmm. one episode um totally. so I, I wouldn't say a bad episode but definitely like not great i give it like two and a half three stars like yeah uh-huh. i also i think the animation is a little wonky at times yeah yep. that they didn't really go all the way with um i just felt like the some of the cards the monsters could have been cooler or more dynamic and mm-hmm. like like i mentioned like yami has some really wonky faces yeah at points that i that like were like critical points in the scene it totally lost a star for me for having the lamest transformation sequence like the fact that you just <laughs> t-posed i'm furious yeah, oh, and then ending with the completely pointless like honda and miho gag scene that was like mm-hmm. why did we need this <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so i definitely sets up some interesting stuff and it was really cool to see how it ended up reflecting like a bunch of motifs and um mm-hmm phrases and all that kind of stuff that honestly like run the entire plot of dual monsters so that was like kind of fun to see but i feel like if you're watching this for the first time i wouldn't be surprised if you like found this kind of forgettable or like weren't that into it like yeah just not Mm -hmm. a stellar episode honestly totally agree about the art too yeah i just think i think it would have been because i think that like they have him draw it's it's very it's just super weird to me that they have him draw instead of lose to mm-hmm. yami because so much of kaiba's like motivation when he returns is based on being angry that he lost and it yeah. makes him seem so much more petty for him to be so angry that he drew and didn't win yet again i think <laughs> i think the i think what they were probably aiming for is like oh if he's if gonna Yugi's come back fu- we have to set up well and if you it's like oh well if Yugi's fighting somebody that he's already beaten then we know he can win so mm-hmm. if there's no pressure or anything um so we'll make it so that he didn't actually beat him which yet again i don't think that matters because the circumstances are much more intense the second time they face so it'd be like very understandable um yugi slash yami to lose um, so I, I also don't agree with it. I could kind of see where they're coming from, but I just don't think it, like, I don't think it matters. I don't think people would have cared. So mm-hmm. a bad decision, honestly. Yeah, I just, yeah, I think they should have stuck closer to that for this mm-hmm. one because it really doesn't, it just, it just really is better if he loses instead of teleporting away because of gremlins. <laughs> Girl, I'm teleporting. <laughs> Girl, I'm teleporting. Uh, we will make that a meme now that'll that we'll, we'll work on it i don't know how we'll incorporate that there's unfortunately not that much teleporting in this series but we'll make it work okay well that about wraps it up um i think we'll be seeing you next time for our next episode where we're going to be talking about uh the first time that we have an episode where it's totally original to the anime so we'll see you later bye Thanks for listening to Battle City Broads. If you have any comments, you can contact us at Battle City Broad on Twitter without the S or by emailing us at battlecitybroads at gmail.com.